The message you're about listening to is from Pastor E.A. Adeboe, the General Overseer of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. Mighty King of Glory, we thank you once again for all you've done for us thus far. Thank you for giving us another Sunday. Thank you because we know that you who have been with us all this while, you'll be with us till the very end. Please accept our thanks in Jesus' name. King of glory, we pray that like never before, we will begin to enjoy your glory. We will begin to enjoy your support. And we pray, Lord God Almighty, that in the power in your word will continue to perform wonders in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We will be continuing our series on going higher. And now we'll come to part 44. Going higher, part 44. Our text will be First Kings chapter 18, verse, well, maybe let's take it from verse 45 to 46. 46 is where we are really going. But let's start from verse 45. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Verse 46. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. The hand of the Lord was on Elijah. May the hand of the Lord be on each and every one of you for good in Jesus' name. We learned the last time that before the rain, there must be the cloud. And the cloud will be followed by the wind. And then we spoke about great rain, about the various reasons why there could be showers of blessings. Now, Ahab, that's King Ahab, got on his chariot and uh, he began to speed to Jezreel. But then the hand of the Lord was on Elijah and he outran Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. He ran faster than the chariot drawn by the best horses in the land. What lessons can we learn from this? 
quite a few, but again, we will just concentrate on one major aspect. God is the Almighty. Psalm 91 verse 1. Psalm 91 verse 1 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Our God is the Almighty. So powerful that he said in Jeremiah 32 verse 27, Jeremiah 32, verse 27, he asked a question and didn't wait for the answer. Behold, I'm the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? In Luke chapter 1, verse 37, Luke 1, verse 37, the Bible stated clearly, with God, nothing shall be impossible. That's the meaning of being the Almighty. So powerful that in Genesis 18, verse 9 to 14, Genesis 18, from verse 9 to 14, he told a 90-year-old woman that she was going to have a son. And when the woman laughed, he said, is there anything too hard for the Lord to do? In John chapter 11, from verse 39 to 44, John 11, from verse 39 to 44, the Bible tells us that even someone who has been dead and buried for four days, all that God has to do is call him out. And he came out of the grave. And as we have found out, I think in our last lecture, in Ezekiel 37 from verse 1 to 10, Ezekiel 37 from verse 1 to 10, all he has to do is let his wind blow and dry bones will come back alive. God is the Almighty. There's nothing he cannot do. That leads us to this powerful question. How powerful are his hands? Because the text here says the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. How powerful are the hands of the Almighty? Well, we'll just take a look. All he has to do is point his finger at you and you will receive a miracle. John chapter 5, verse 2 to 9. John 5, 2 to 9. There was a multitude at the pool of Bethesda. But God pointed out just one person who have been there for 38 years. And out of the entire crowd, that person that was pointed out received instant healing. What if he goes further than pointing you out 
what happens when he touches you? In Matthew chapter 8, from verse 1 to 3, Matthew 8, from verse 1 to 3, a leper came to him, saying, I know you can make me clean if you are willing. All he did was he touched him. And the curable became cured. Whatever he touches with his finger becomes anointed. John chapter 9, verse 1 to 7. John 9, 1 to 7. When he touched ordinary mud, the Bible says the mud became anointed. And when the mud was applied to the face of a man who had no eyes, two brand new eyes came. If he touches you, automatically anointing begins to flow. What if he goes further than touching you? What if he lays his hand on you? Not just pointing to you. Not just touching you. Suppose he lays his hands on you. As we find in this text, you suddenly get strength, supernatural strength, to outrun a chariot drawn by the bear's horses. If he touches, if he lays his hand on you, you get enough strength to tear a lion in two. Judges chapter 14 from verse 5 to 6. Judges 14 from verse 5 to 6. I've experienced this again and again. Whenever we have a special program and I had to fast for days before the program. And I become very weak because of weeks of fasting. And I will sit down on the altar, and the pulpit will look as if it is several kilometers away. And I, when it's time, I get up and just manage to get to the pulpit. But as soon as I get to the pulpit, I can feel the hand coming. And strength comes. And me, who had found it almost difficult to stand, finds myself standing and ministering for hours. When he lays his hand on you, you can even begin to prophesy. Second King chapter 3, verse 11 to 15. Second King chapter 3, from verse 11 to 15. Some kings came to Elisha, asking for direction. He was upset because one of the kings happened to be an idol worshiper. And he told him, how can you, an idol worshiper, come to a prophet of God wanting to know the future? And there was a king among them who was a real lover of God. So he said, because of this king, I will talk to you. 
So he got uh, a minstrel to begin to play. And as the minstrel began to play, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha, and he began to prophesy. Maybe at this stage I should pray for you. Number one, that the Almighty God will point you out for a miracle today. Amen. Number two, that he will touch you and make you whole. Amen. Number three, that he will lay his hands upon you and give you strength. Amen. So that you can achieve the impossible. Amen. Now what goes on if he decides to embrace you? If he decides to wrap his hand around you, suddenly your body will be surrounded by an invisible fire. Judges chapter 15 verse 14. Judges 15 verse 14. Bible tells us that when they brought something to his enemies, he was bound. But as the enemies began to rejoice, the ropes that bound him were destroyed as if by fire. Why? Because the Spirit of God came mightily upon him. The hand of God embraced him. When he embraces you, any weapon you touch will become anointed. And become a weapon of mass destruction. In the same Judges 15 verse 15. Judges 15 verse 15. Samson took the jawbone of an ass. An ass that had died. Whose jawbone was just lying around. But that little weapon became the weapon that carried the anointing to wipe out a thousand soldiers. Of his enemy. But God can go further than embrace you. He could carry you. If that hand picks you up. And you are carried. Then definitely you become blessed. In Mark chapter 10, from verse 13 to 16, Mark 10, from verse 13 to 16, Bible said they brought little children unto him. And uh, the disciples said, oh, take away these noisy little ones. But the Bible says, Jesus said, bring them to me. And pick them up and bless them. When he carries you, you are blessed. When he carries you, you can then begin to make progress beyond human understanding. In Acts chapter 8, from verse 26 to 40, Acts chapter 8, from verse 26 to 40, the Bible tells us about how God instructed Philip to go to a desert from Samaria. He walked there. Then he saw a man 
driving the chariot, and the Lord said, go and join him. I believe he ran to catch up with the chariot. He preached the gospel to the man. The man gave his life to Jesus Christ, and he was baptized. Then the Bible says, as they were coming out of the waters, the Spirit of God picked up Philip and took him to Azotus. Incredible speed. I call it spiritual transportation. When he carries you, you are blessed. When he carries you, you begin to make progress that nobody can explain. May I pray for you again that the Almighty God will embrace you. Amen. Embrace you so that every yoke in your life will be destroyed. Amen. And whatever you touch will become anointed. Amen. But I pray that he will do more. That he will carry you. Amen. So you'll be blessed. Amen. And so that your progress will become very, very rapid. Amen. But there's something else that is even greater than that. And that is when his hand settles upon you permanently. In Acts chapter 2 from verse 1 to 41, Acts 2 from verse 1 to 41, when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost and he separated himself to little tongues of fire and settled on everybody present, including Peter, several things began to happen. But if you speak Peter alone, you discover that his potential, the potential to be a winner of souls, became immediately actualized. He preached a single sermon and won 3,000 souls. All the days he had been walking with Jesus Christ, he hasn't won a single soul. But now, the hand of God settled on him and he began to succeed beyond recognition. He began to succeed beyond recognition because Jeremiah chapter 5 verse 14, Jeremiah 5 verse 14, made it clear that if the hand of God is upon you as a preacher, your voice will become like fire. And the people you are preaching to will become like wood. I'm praying for every preacher, every pastor listening to me today, that the hand of the Almighty God will settle on you, and you begin to succeed like never before. When the hand of God settles on you, as he did on Peter, in Acts chapter 3, from verse 1 to 8, Acts 3, verse 1 to 8, you discover 
that your hand begins to transmit strength to others. You begin to overflow with strength. He laid hands on the layman, and the Bible said his ankle bones received strength. As a matter of fact, by the time you get to Acts chapter 5, from verse 14 to 18, Acts 5, from verse 14 to 18, the shadow of Peter alone could transmit healings and deliverance. That gives you a rough idea. I can, I can go on and on on that of how powerful the hand of God could be. And that is why he is a great friend, but a very dangerous enemy. God is a great friend, but a very dangerous enemy. In Romans chapter 8, verse 31, Romans 8, verse 31, the Bible made it clear, if God be for us, who can be against us? In the same Romans chapter 8, verse 37, Romans 8, verse 37, the Bible made it clear that we are more than conquerors. If this almighty God is for us, if he loves us, the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 and 7, Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 and 7, it makes sure, I mean, mention to us that if we are in good terms with this almighty God, obeying him, doing his will, we won't even have to fight to get victory because when the enemies come against us one way and they look and see the one who is resting on us, they will flee seven ways. But the same Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, Hebrews 12, verse 29, that this God is a consuming fire. Which is why it's a very dangerous enemy. Because in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31, Hebrews 10, verse 31, the Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hand of the living God. If this God, this almighty God, lays his hand on you for good, things begin to happen. Like someone said, the organ cannot make a sound on its own. It waits until some hands come. And when the right hands come on an organ, you'll be amazed. I could still remember my early days in the redeemed Christian Church of God. We had an organ, he's a very wonderful man of God, now of blessed memory. Oh, he knows how to play the organ. Then one day, I think the man who taught him how to play came to the church. And he sat by the same organ. And you couldn't believe that it is the same organ that our organists have been playing. <laughs> Hands differ. 
May the hand of the Almighty God rest on you today. But when the hand of God was on a sorcerer, in Acts of the Apostles chapter 13 from verse 6 to 12, Acts of the Apostles 13 from verse 6 to 12, when the sorcerer was trying to hinder the preaching of the gospel, and the hand of God came upon him, he became blind. It is interesting that this happened in the age of grace. Because there are people who think that we are in the age of grace, and so we should allow the enemy to walk on us and treat us as they like and hinder the work of the gospel. But the man who is known as the apostle of grace, when he discovered that someone was becoming a mountain in his path, made a declaration that removed that mountain. And I'm making a declaration today. Every force trying to hinder you from reaching your goal shall be uprooted. The conclusion of the matter is simple. You see, we have talked about him pointing his finger to you. We have talked about him touching you. We have talked about him laying his hand upon you. We have talked about him embracing you. We have talked about him carrying you. We have talked about him being such a wonderful friend and such a dangerous enemy. But the conclusion of the matter is this. If he waves bye-bye to you with the same hand, then you are finished. Because in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 14, 1 Samuel 16, verse 14, when he waved bye-bye to King Saul, demons took him over. In Judges chapter 16 from verse 18 to 21, Judges chapter 16 from verse 18 to 21, when he waved bye-bye to Samson, the enemy finished the job. All these days, God has been asking you, beckoning to you with his hand, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy lady, and I will give you rest. Don't let him wave bye-bye to you. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Revelation 3, verse 20, he said, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door to me, I will come in. He has been knocking at the door of your heart all this while. If he decides to wave bye-bye to you because you refuse to open the door, you will have yourself to blame. Therefore, receive his invitation to him, from him and come to him today. Come and surrender your life to the almighty God. It is in your own interest to do so. It's in your danger to refuse to do so. Let us pray. So if you want to surrender your life to the Almighty God, 
wherever you may be, bow your head now and cry unto him and say, Lord, save my soul. I want your hand to embrace me. I want you to touch me for good, not for evil. I will serve you for the rest of my life. Please, Lord, save my soul today. In Jesus' mighty name. My Father, my God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for all those who have heard and are surrendering their life to you now. Please, Lord, receive them, forgive them, save their souls. Let your blood wash them clean and receive them into the family of God. And Lord, even those who are giving their life to you now, as well as all of us who are already your children, lay your mighty hands on us for good. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Please join us on this same station at this time for another wonderful experience as Pastor E.A. Adeboye exposes the deep mysteries in the Word of God.